Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, today we have an episode that is filled with, well... If nothing else, it's filled with movies that start with the letter S. Yeah, lots of alliteration for this episode, I think. So actually, you you could say this this episode is brought to you by the letter S and the number seven. Yeah, oh. you certainly could. And if you could only show me how the, the way to get to a certain street. See? See what I did there? I, you like I how did. I tied in Sesame Street to our episode about one of the most disturbing serial killer thrillers <laughs> in many, many well, years? Well, yeah, when, when I do think of that film, I do think of Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> right, because they go hand in hand. Oh, I want to see, see the Muppets now do a version of that film now. Oh, my uh, God. Could you imagine That'd an s- all-puppet version of Seven? Oh, it'd be so good, but so, so wrong. That'd be amazing. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Let's get that done. <laughs> I know we really should. All right. Well, I've already let the cat out of the bag as far as what yeah. one of our movies is, but go ahead and fill people in on what we're talking about in this week's episode. Yeah. So we're going to be going after the ending of 1995's Seven, which is a brilliant film, but very, very dark. And also 1998's Small Soldiers, which is has a few dark moments, but it's mainly like a kid's film, but it's also enjoyable. Yeah. And also, and also we'll be talking about our top five favorite performances by Denzel Washington. Yes. Yes. Which is, I always notice, this is one of those weird, you know, tangents, but I always notice that... The Brits call him Denzel. Oh yeah. And Americans we call him Denzel. Like we put Denzel, the emphasis yeah, on yeah. the second on the second syllable. Yeah. And I've noticed that in some of the British podcasts I listen to. So I know it's just a you know, a cultural thing, but I always find it interesting how we sort of pronounce that name differently. That's very true, yeah. Which means nothing, but I thought it was interesting. No, but you're right, it is. That's a definite difference. It's one of the, the small peculiarities between uh English, which is spoke proper over here, and uh <laughs> And the stuff you speak over in the colonies. Right, right. I forgot about that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. No offense no offense to anybody who would take offense by that. I no, was joking. of course not. Yeah. I don't see how anybody could, really. <laughs> well, in this day and age, people get offended over everything. That's so, uh, true. You've got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I apologize for just saying that, and I apologize for that apology if it right. offended you. Uh, listen, I like the way you're covering your bases, Phil. I appreciate that. Are you, are you allowed to say base? <laughs> <laughs> All your bases are belong to us. I'll belong to us, yeah. Wow, All it's right. a throwback. Yes, thank you. Okay, this train is rapidly flying off the track, so let's get back onto the track. Shall we jump in with Small Soldiers? Yeah, do you want to give us a rundown of what happens in the film? Absolutely. All right, so Small Soldiers, 1998, directed by Joe Dante, starring Kirsten Dunst, Jay Moore, Phil Hartman, Dennis Leary, and the voices of Tommy Lee Jones and Frank Langella. So, the story goes, when Heartland Toys is bought by Globotech defense contractors, their line of heroic commando elite figures and creature-like Gorgonite figures are programmed with smart weapons technology by accident. They come to life, but the commando elite are warmongers, while the Gorgonites are peacekeepers. Meanwhile, teenager Alan and his love interest Christy, who's played by Kirsten Dunst, each end up with one of the sentient figures, Alan with Archer, played by Frank Langella, the leader of the Gorgonites, and Christy with Chip Hazard, played by Tommy Lee Jones, leader of the Commandos. 
The commandos take Christie's family hostage to try and lure the Gorgonites into surrendering. There are a bunch of battles at both kids' houses and the Gwendy dolls, which are kind of like a Barbie knockoff, uh, get involved. And Alan and Archer build an EMP or electromagnetic pulse device that fries Chip Hazard and the commandos. Globotech shows up to do damage control, and it's hinted that the commandos will be sold to rebels in South America. Alan and Christy decide to start dating, and the Gorgonites, who shielded themselves from the EMP, are brought by Alan and his family to Yosemite National Park as they set out to find their island home of Gorgon. And that is Small Soldiers. That's an excellent one down with as well. There's actually quite a lot going on in that film. I always forget. Yeah, it was definitely uh, trickier to summarize yeah. uh, briefly than, than I wanted it to be. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, now you covered all the bases. There's that word again, bases. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it, Phil. Watch it. Yeah, we've got a running theme of bases. You're treading on thin ice here, buddy. I know. I'm sorry. Sorry, bases. <laughs> this is a bizarre one. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Welcome to After the Ending. It's our weirdest episode ever. Just grin and bear it because we're in for the long we're haul. We're laughing over the word base. Laughing over the word base, which means nothing. <laughs> right. Ah. Uh... Yep, not, I'm it's, not editing any of this out, so I hope people enjoy it. It's good that we can amuse ourselves, Mike. That's all I say. That's right, even if no one else is amused. Because in the end, who else matters? Oh, no, the listeners matter. That's right. Oh, yeah, right, right. You right. do, listener. You do. You're the one who's most important. Yes, all right, you. So, so, all right, so, Phil, what do you think of Small Soldiers? I really enjoy it. Uh, not quite as good as I thought it was going to be, but uh, I always like the concept. Uh, it's It's sort of... You get the feeling it was going to go one way. It was going to be a little bit darker, but I don't think the studios got involved and said, no, let's make it a bit more kiddie friendly. I would have liked to have seen a bit of a darker version, but that's me. I always like to see, uh, you know, things go a bit creepier, but... Shocking. A great concept, and I, it's, it's a shame they didn't have any actual sequels. I could have seen a few more films based around this. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but what, what about you? You know, I was never all that enamored with it. Admittedly, I've only seen it the once, actually, when it came out. I went and saw it in theaters. I was really excited for this movie. I thought it looked just like so much fun and what a great concept. And, you know, obviously we're big geeks and, you know, I grew up with G.I. Joe and Transformers. Like this sort of idea of like G.I. Joe's coming to life and fighting yeah. and stuff I thought looked really fun. But I don't know. I was, I was let down by the film. It left me wanting. And I, I honestly never... Went back to revisit it, uh, although kind of now I want to to see if maybe, I, you know, I was just being too hard on it. But I don't remember loving it, and I, yeah, yeah. I don't remember ever feeling like I thought I needed to go back and revisit it because I thought it would be better. So, I don't know. It's just always a film I was disappointed in, I think. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But uh, obviously audiences, I think, kind of agreed with both of us. It wasn't a particularly big hit. I mean, it made a, a decent amount of money, but it yeah, definitely yeah. was far from being the summer blockbuster that they wanted it to be. That's true, yeah. It just, it just sort of ticks along now. I think it's got like a bit of a fan base. Yeah. yeah. It does, yeah. although I, I will say, I'm sure it's got a, I'm sure it has a cult classic fan base out there, but it, it does seem to be one of those movies that's largely forgotten from the public consciousness. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. I mentioned to my wife last night that we were doing it for After the Ending, and she's like, what small soldiers? And I was like, yeah, see? <laughs> you know, like, I know it was 20 years ago, but it was, you know, meant to be a big summer blockbuster, and it wasn't. And usually even the ones that bomb, people tend to remember, but I feel like a lot of people are kind of probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, th I think it's the one kind of film which, uh, when, when you're flicking through the channels and it comes on, you go, oh... Yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot what's about that this. one? Yeah, I know yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. What's this movie called? Small mm. figures? What's what's you know? <laughs> yeah. Tiny yeah. dancers. Yeah, hidden figures. Hold That's me a closer. Time. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, before we go off on another tangent, Phil, why don't yeah. you kick us off with your day after? Okay. Well, Alan and Christy go on a date and talk about the events of the past few days. They both hope that the Gorgonites get to the island they were heading to. They also find it odd that Globotech could cover everything up 
just by throwing money at it. Globotech, though, starts sending out some of the Commando Elite units to various buyers in South America because uh, they've got some dodgy dealings going on. Unbeknownst to anyone, some of the Commando Elite figures activate in Globotech's uh, factory and warehouses and disappear into the air vents. Soon, the automated Globotech factories wear into life, having been sent new instructions. Mm. That's my day after. Seems ominous. No, not necessarily. <laughs> I think I know you better than that, Phil. <laughs> okay, well, that's, uh, that's my day after. What's going on with yours? Okay, well, Alan and Christy begin dating, and life returns to normal for a while. The family has been well paid to keep quiet about what happened, but Alan misses Archer and often wonders if the Gorgonites ever found their island home. Unable to talk about the events, Alan turns his energies towards creating a comic book. In it, two lines of action figures, the Mobile Command Squad and the Zargonauts, come to life and have a series of battles. While the idea is pretty thinly disguised, it's such an implausible scenario that Alan doesn't worry that anyone is going to believe it. He uses a little of Globotech's money to self-publish a small print run of the comic book called The 40-Something Functioning Fighting Figures, and before long, it starts to gain in popularity. And that's where we're going to leave it for now. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I like that comic book based on it. Thank you, thank you. Good way of getting the word out. May have taken my inspiration from a popular independent comic of the 80s, but, you know, that's for speculation only. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, excellent, yes. Uh, Looking forward to see what happens with that. Great. All right, well, let's hear what's going on in your immediate aftermath then. Okay. It started small. A drop in radio transmissions here. A military vehicle disappearing there. Shipments of computers, machinery, and medical supplies never reaching their intended destination. Then it became much more noticeable. Entire military bases went dark with no sign of the soldiers and personnel who were there. TV stations lost access to their own broadcasts. By then it was too late. The commando elite had infiltrated all computer systems in the USA. The military vehicles were now being driven by AI systems. With barely any effort, the commando elite had taken over the country and their computer program was bouncing around the world via satellite. It was only then that the missing human soldiers appeared. Witnesses looked on in horror to see that the tops of their heads had been removed and they now appear to be cybernetic troops of the commando elite. That's my immediate aftermath. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. You know, it's kids' film. So, yeah, you're right. Not ominous at all. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So the greater good, Mike. Oh, okay. Of course. Looks like somebody here's head has been replaced with a commando elite circuitry. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> he is onto us. <laughs> all right. Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank you. So go on, what's going on with your immediate aftermath then in this comic book? Okay, well, two years later, the 40-something functioning fighting figures has become a worldwide phenomenon. The comic grew in popularity quickly, but it was the cartoon which really caused them to explode. Alan had become a celebrity traveling around the country going to comic book conventions while fans waited hours to meet him and get an autograph. At one convention towards the end of summer, Alan's line finishes up two hours later than it was supposed to. Right as the signing finishes, a bulky man in a trench coat steps over the rope and says to Alan, I have to talk to you. Alan's convention handler says, I'm sorry, sir, but the line is closed. You'll have to try again tomorrow. But the man ignores him and looks directly at Alan. Alan, it's me. It's Archer. (gasps) And that's where we're going to leave it. Oh, my God. Plot twist. Wow, I like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Mm, Oh, nice. Very nice. Thank you very much. All right, but meanwhile, let's find out what's going on with the uh, United States of uh, action figures here. Give us your long term. Okay. The Commando Elite now populated most of the planets in the solar system. A mix of bioorgan. <laughs> Jeez. I'm yeah. sorry, continue. That's <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, well, it's, it is, this is long, long term. I see that. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. It's good. Okay. Go ahead. 
A mix of bioorganisms, robots and cybernetic creatures, they could all be designed to fit into any environment. Gargantuan mining ships drew resources from the asteroid belt, and on Earth, the central AI looked through telescopes deep in space. They noticed there were millions of other planets out there that had to be brought into the control of the commando elite. The vast factory ships set to work building an, inter an intergalactic armada. The various alien life forms around the universe would soon be fighting for their very survival. And that's my, uh, that's my ending. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, not ominous at all. You're right. I totally yeah. miscalled that. I apologize. I know, I know. It's just, you know, they're just making sure everybody is under their control, so everybody's safe. Yeah, I mean, that's perfectly noble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's my long term. What's going on with your long term? All right. An arch archer and this human body. What's going on there? Okay, well, back in his hotel room, Alan can't believe that the man in front of him is Archer, but there's no mistaking his voice. Archer presses a button under his trench coat, and the man's body splits in two, revealing the action figure-sized Archer inside. Turns out it's an incredibly advanced human-sized exoskeleton. Where did you... How did... What the... Alan stammers. I'll explain everything to you on the way. O on the way? On the way where? Alan asks. To Gorgon Island. We need your help. Don't tell me the commando elite are back, Alan says. Actually, the commandos are on our side now, Archer explains. But there's a new enemy, an even more insidious one. And if we don't leave right away, it will be too late. Alan nods and starts to pack. Who is this enemy, Alan asks, as he stuffs his clothes into a suitcase. Archer looks at him grimly and says, Gorgon Island isn't alone. There's another island, an island of misfit toys. <gasps> that's, like that's the end. I like it. Wow, oh, very good. good. Yeah. Thanks. All right, so there you go. Phil, do you have any small trivia for us? Or big trivia? I don't mind either way. No, just a couple couple of bits of trivia. So it is it is a small one, but uh, Joe, Dante, Joe Dante originally wanted the cast of Predator to voice the Commando Elite. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been amazing. It would have been so so good. Oh, that would have the film would have been lifted up to the next level with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the Wilhelm scream uh, appears twice in the film. It's when Brick Bazooka of the Commando Elite gets chewed up by the spokes and chain of Alan's bike, and when one of the Commando Elite breaks apart from when the EMP goes off near the end. Very cool. And that's Small Soldiers. All right, I like it. Oh, I do have to say, I, I before I wrote that ending, I, I the very first thing I thought of was like, I wanted to open it with like a, like a support group with like Chip Hazard and Chucky and Woody and one of the Puppet Master dolls and Slappy yeah, the yeah. Dummy from the Goosebumps movies. Um, but I didn't really want to go that off the wall. But I did have this image of all these like, you know, sentient dolls sitting around complaining to each other. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. And then Annabelle turns up and you'll go, oh, for God's <laughs> right, sake. Right, right, right. Oh, nice. She'd be the Smurfette of the group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody make that happen. Right? <laughs> Some anime to do that. <laughs> so, anyway, all awesome. right. So, uh, moving on, let's talk about Seven, shall we? Yeah, it's one of the happiest films I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a light romantic comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give us the rundown, refresh people's memories. Yeah, yeah. Everything is pain. Everything is death. There's, there's no hope. And that's seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, okay. Uh, we're in an unnamed city where it's raining all the time. Detective William Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman, is close to retirement when he is partnered with uh, Detective David Mills, played by Brad Pitt, who recently moved to the city for some unknown reason with his wife Tracy, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Tracy tells Somerset that she's pregnant, but is yet to tell Mills as she feels that the city has no place to raise a child. Uh, Somerset and Mills are investigating a series of murders which are based around the seven deadly sins. They end up tracking the killer, uh, who they name John Doe, to his apartment. Doe flees and Mills gives chase. And at one point, Doe points a gun at Mills but doesn't shoot him before escaping. A couple more murders take place, 
bringing the tally up to five. For those keeping count, it means there's two more. Uh, I don't know why I held up about two fingers now, but I did. It was very effective. Uh, so eventually, Doe, who's covered in blood, turns himself in at the police station and offers to take Somerset and Mills to the final two victims where he will confess to the murders. But he'll only do that if specific terms are met or else he will plead insanity. They end up following his directions out into the desert where a delivery van approaches and drops off a box. What's, What's in, in the, the box? box? What's in the box? <laughs> Doe tells Mills how envious he was of his life with Tracy. Meanwhile, Somerset opens the box and looks shocked and tells Mills to stay back. Doe keeps talking and says that his own sin was envy and that Tracy died because of that. Oh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> he also says her head is in the box and that she was pregnant. Obviously, Mills isn't too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not when you laugh, Phil. You don't laugh at that point. Yep. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving all this stuff in, man. I'm not Obvi even editing it out. Obviously... <laughs> Seven always makes me laugh. Oh, dear God. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, Mills isn't too happy about that, and he ends up becoming Wrath and kills Doe. And it ends with the police taking a distraught Mills away into custody. And that's Seven. Very nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> We're just laughing to relieve the tension because it's such an intense film. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's, uh, I do love the film. It's an incredibly well-made film. Yes. Obviously not one I can just throw on at any point. Right. I, I I can tell you this, don't put it on a kid's party. <laughs> good good idea, Phil. Good right. That advice. does not go down well. No. Really does not go down well. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love I love this film, but I'm the same as you. It's like I, I love the movie. I've never owned a copy of it. And I, you know, I see it every once in a while, every few years I, I catch it, but I just don't it's not the kind of movie that I can just watch, like pop in on a Friday night and, you know. Yeah grab some M&Ms and just be like, woo, time to watch seven, you know, but it is a great film. I mean, David Fincher obviously is one of my favorite directors and, you know, great performances, great story, really dark stuff. I mean, if you haven't seen seven and you want to watch it, I, I highly recommend We've it. really spoiled the hell out of it. Right. But, you know, it's still, it's right. still worth watching though, because it is just the way it develops. Yeah. Just be aware that it's really, really dark. I do remember uh, at the time when it came out, my girlfriend and I had seen the film and at the time she was in college and her roommate was from like, the cornfields of Nebraska. Like, I mean, just like your very typical, like naive country girl, like moved out to, you know, the big city of Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah. And so my girlfriend and I took her and her boyfriend to go see Seven because it had come up in conversation. She's like, what's it about? We're like, oh, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all we told her. And uh, Oh, my God, that's what you told her. Yeah, it was pretty awful, but I was young, so yeah, uh, yeah. but she the was a little did. bit shocked to say the least. I think both her and her boyfriend came out of that movie a little shell shocked. So yeah, uh, yeah, so, so not a movie to go into completely unexpected, you know, unsuspecting, but but still a I, great film. I remember one particular bit where there's a there's a certain certain implement that's been made. I remember one <laughs> yes. of the fans going going, "Is that got razor blades on? Oh my god!" Right, right. <sighs> oh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. And when the guy coughs, when he thinks he's dead. Oh, my God, oh, yeah. 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 Well, it's a creepy film. I'll give you that. Uh, there's there's going to be a bit of trivia, but th that scene with the SWAT team and everything that uh, David Fincher didn't tell uh, didn't tell the people, didn't tell the SWAT team that that was an actual person. They thought it was just like a... <laughs> like a dummy. You know, a dummy and stuff. That's so when funny. it coughed and they all jump and everything, that was a genuine jump. I, I can believe it. Well, I know it made the entire theater jump when I saw yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's get into our endings then, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to give us a, your day after? Okay. Mill's trial is short, and Somerset stands by his side throughout. 
While Mills did shoot an unarmed John Doe, the jury takes sympathy on him after hearing about what happened to his wife, and they find him not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. After just a couple of months in jail while the trial goes on, Mills is released and tries to get back to normal life. Somerset continues working homicide, while Mills is unable to even become a beat cop again. He undergoes regular psychiatric treatment to deal with the pain of losing Tracy, and he consults with Somerset off the record when Somerset has a case that's particularly challenging. Six months or so after the trial, Somerset goes to pick up Mills for their weekly coffee conversation, but Mills is gone. His apartment is completely empty, and there's no trace of him whatsoever. And that's my day after. Hmm. Okay. Which way is this going to go? Don't know yet. We'll see. Hmm. But in the meantime, what's happening in your day after? Okay. Shock, despair, horror. All these emotions more go through Somerset and all the police officers involved in this case. The station is filled with the heartbroken sobs of Detective Mills as he sits in the jail cell. He is totally broken. Nobody could blame him for what he did and nobody can quite believe what he has lost. The rain keeps falling in the city. Somerset stands at the window and looks down on the street below. For a brief moment he has the sudden terrible urge to just jump and escape the horror he has witnessed, but then the city would have won. He listens to the cries of his friend. He has to be there for him, if nothing else. And that's my day after. Mm, very poetic. Thank you very much. I like that. Yeah, mm, definitely evoking imagery in my head. Mm. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it evokes something. Yeah. Uh, but what's going on then with your immediate aftermath? All right. Three months later, Somerset is extremely frustrated. He understood that maybe Mills needed to get out of the city, but he expected to hear something from him by now. After a couple of weeks with no word from Mills, Somerset had quietly opened an investigation, beginning to wonder if maybe something bad had happened to him. The investigation made Somerset even more frustrated. There was no sign of Mills anywhere. No banking records, no credit card transactions, no video surveillance, nothing. It was like he had simply disappeared off the face of the earth. Somerset began looking through some of Mills's old case files to see if there was someone who might have a grudge against him. After several hours, he found nothing and was about to quit. The only file left was the John Doe case, but Doe was dead. Still, Somerset let out a long sigh and picked up the file and started flipping through it. As he did so, a picture fell out of the file and onto the floor. As Somerset picked it up, he glanced at it absently, then did a double take. What he saw nearly caused his heart to stop. And I'm going to leave you in suspense for a little bit. Oh, this is a hell of a mystery. I'm t- I was sitting there while you were saying that. I was going, well, could it be this? What's going on? Where's this going? <laughs> well, I promise all will be revealed. And hopefully you'll be, you'll, you'll find that it, it lives up to the promise. Okay. I like it a lot, though. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Meanwhile, what's going on with the, uh, the epic ballad of the rainy city? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything was sunshine and roses. Everything was brilliant. <laughs> oh, no. Months had passed by. Somerset had been to counseling, but eventually stopped. Instead, he started writing down all the terrible things he had witnessed with John Doe and many, many things before that as well. As he did so, he felt a weight lift from his shoulders. It didn't stop the nightmares, but it brought him some relief. Somerset also visited Mills every week. It had been every day to begin with, but Mills had fallen into a kind of fugue state and spent most of his time sitting in silence. He also never responded to any questions. He never recovered. Mm. The city sprawled all around them, but as Somerset poured all the darkness onto the pages before him, it was almost as if the city began to take a deep breath. And that's my immediate aftermath. Very cool. I really like the way you're going with this. I like making the city a character. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. it's yeah. neat. Yeah. Although I'm sad yeah. about Mills never recovering, but that's okay. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's too that's much. That's understandable. It's, it's understandable. Yeah, his mind broke. Okay, then, but what's going on then with this mystery then? What's happening? All right, well, 
The photograph was a class picture from what looked like a private school. It was one of the few pictures they'd been able to find of John Doe and in the investigation into him after he was shot and killed. The man was still largely a mystery. Sitting a few rows down from John Doe, however, there was a familiar face, David Mills. <sighs> he was younger and his hair was long, but there was no mistaking the face. Somerset read the names of the students, but where Mills's name should have been, it instead read David Tate, sophomore. <gasps> Somerset's world began to spin. What the Mills hell? And, <laughs> Mills and John Doe were classmates? Suddenly, memories from the Doe case started to flood Somerset's mind. Chief among them, how Doe had had Mills dead to rights with his gun, yet let him live. Mills had always thought that Doe might have had a partner, but he could never find any evidence of it. <gasps> Jesus Christ. <laughs> But now it was all starting to make sense. Mills shot John Doe so he could complete his seven sins, but also to keep him from revealing the truth. As Somerset stumbles out of the file room, he's just vaguely aware of another officer calling his name. Somerset! Yo, Somerset, isn't this just like that case you had last year? Check it out, looks like some crazy is committing deadly sin murders down in New Orleans. What are the odds of that? And that's the end. That's awesome. Oh, oh my you. God. That just... that. <laughs> Wow, that that could that could work. That could be how what it was. Wow. Brilliant. Well, that's when I when I got the idea. What when, when I was looking at the film, it dawned on me that like it's actually plausible because he yeah, does totally. have him dead to rights and let him go. And we know that that's because he wants to do the whole thing with the last two sins. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you could see it being where it's like a, maybe a master apprentice or just partners or people. You know that that there was some kind of connection there. Yeah, uh, and that he killed him to you know to keep him silent after the fact. So wow. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Excellent. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. All right. Well, I want to hear the conclusion of your epic poem, which gets better as it goes. So let's hear what you got. Okay. Somerset had turned his writings into a textbook that had been used by the police force and various federal agencies. He was now a consultant for the police and FBI. It, but that had led to the capture and arrest of various murderers and serial killers. Lives had been saved and Somerset could see that some good was coming from all he had seen. It still didn't take away the nightmares. He was still writing, but this time it was about various points in history that he had a passion for. He was looking for the brightness in life. All of those books were now dedicated to David and Tracy Mills. Aww. Somerset noticed that it no longer seemed to be raining. And that's my long term. I like it. I like it very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I like it. Nice hopeful ending, even though there's some, you know, some down moments in it. But yeah, and I like the I like the, the city and the rain stuff. So very well done, yeah. sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, I really like yours as well. Well, thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. But uh, we all we also, though, we are. Uh, for a little bit of a change, because when we announced the, the films we were doing, uh, one of uh, one of our listeners and friend of the show called Beth Matthews, she got in touch and sent in a little after the ending for Seven that she thought that she thought of, and it's a little bit more upbeat, well, in a certain kind of way than ours was. So we just thought we'd share it just to like cleanse the palate a little. Yeah, we both got a, a real kick out of the ending, and we we love when our listeners send uh, stuff in for us to share on the air. So we thought we'd uh, go ahead and share uh, her after the ending. So Phil, take it away. Okay, Mills comes to enjoy prison life. He meets and falls in love with Teabag, realising that he was only attracted to Tracy because of her boyish appearance. He joins the prison amateur dramatics group, producing many star turns and their rendition of classical musicals. He even pens a musical of his own experience tracking down John Doe. This goes on to become a huge Broadway hit, winning multiple Tony Awards. Tim Curry's best man at Mills and Teabag's wedding, when they are finally released from prison, everyone cries. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. The after the end. Of, yeah. yeah, that's great. Definitely a little bit lighter than, than the direction our endings took. Just a bit, but yeah. uh, it was uh, very much appreciated. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Beth, for sending that in. Much appreciated. Always great to hear from uh, listeners and friends of the show like you. 
All right, so there you go. There are our endings for Small Soldiers and Seven with a little bonus ending uh, for Seven. Yes, yes. Uh, Phil, do you have any Seven trivia for us? Do you have the Seven Deadly Sins of Trivia or the Seven Deadly Trivia Questions? I have some trivia. <laughs> do you have somewhere between one and seven trivia questions for us? I certainly do, Mike. Perfect. I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Brad... Brad Pitt refused to make the film if the ending was changed. Uh, and apparently uh, there was a different ending that they, they the studio wanted to go with. But when they sent the script to David Fincher, apparently they sent the older version, which had the script that we see in the film. And mm. Fincher really liked that one. Right. Uh, all of John Doe's books were real and were written for the especially for the film. They took two months to make and cost $15,000. Wow. And when you see the film, there are, there's loads of those books in the apartment. Denzel Washington turned down the role that went to Brad Pitt, which was Mills. And in that scenario, uh, Al Pacino was going to play the role of uh, Somerset. Wow. Denzel Washington didn't want to do it because he thought it was too dark, the, the, the story. But in the end, he regretted it, wished he'd taken it. Sure. Uh, it, it was also the seventh highest grossing film of 1995, which is uh, kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Val Kilmer turned down the role of John Doe. Huh. And Rob Bottin, who did... The amazing creature effects in the thing also did the makeup and effects for the uh, the like some of the various victims in the film. Right, right. And that's uh, that's seven. Well, I mean, I have to say I'm glad Val Kilmer turned it down because despite whatever has happened off camera in recent years, Kevin Spacey as John Doe is amazing. And this was yeah, still yeah. Um, early on in his career where he was starting to get known, but he wasn't like a, a superstar art, uh, actor yet at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And this was one of the roles I think that really pushed him into becoming a household name and uh and like i said despite personal stuff i mean he 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 did give us a career filled with amazing performances so i'm, I'm glad that he was in this one he's such a memorable part of the film oh and especially when he does you finally do see him because it's such a shock and a surprise when it does happen yeah 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 very well done stuff all right cool there you go so that is seven and small soldiers and uh that's going to wrap up our endings but it's time for us to move on then to our 100 stars of hollywood in 100 episodes wherein phil and i take an actor or actress and share our top five favorite performances of said actor or actress and this week as you've mentioned we are talking about denzel washington yes we are as i call him Denzel. Right. Or Denzel, whichever. <laughs> Mr. Washington is the man we're yes, talking about yeah, today. Yeah. And not George. Because <laughs> you would know anything about him being a Brit. Well, I, I believe he's something to do with your, your system of government in some way. Right. Oh, and wait, didn't he also help us not be under the yoke of the Brits anymore? I seem to recall some kind of war. What was that one but called? Did he? Something. Did the he? Evolutionary War or something like that? Uh, yeah, not, I feel like not he sure did. what you're talking about there, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell, right? No, no. <laughs> I believe he couldn't tell a lie and had wooden teeth. There you go. Right, and he chopped down a cherry tree. Yeah, apart from that, I think, I think that's all he did. I think that's all he did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to Denzel, or Denzel yes. as we call him. Yeah. Uh, Phil, why don't you kick us off? Go ahead and give us your number five performance. Okay, yeah, my number five is uh, it's from 1999, and it is, uh, it's like a psychological thriller, but like a serial killer thing again, but it's The Bone Collector. Uh, and that's the one with uh, Denzel and Angelina Jolie. And this one, it's uh, basically Denzel Washington's playing a... A forensics expert who's has an accident and left him completely paralyzed. So he's playing the, the majority of the film. I think you have some flashbacks, maybe, but I can't quite remember. But he's, uh, you know, he's advising Angelina Jolie, and then there's scenes where it's actually in the room and things like that. But it's just his performance. He's just in the bed. All he can move is his head. So you know, it's it's going to be a tough sell anyway. But he does it. Really, he, he does it, and he still brings the passion and you know the brilliant acting that we know from him. And I just. It's, a, it's just a great performance, and uh, it's one of those films as well you sort of has been also maybe been forgotten a little bit, but uh, it's still a cracking movie, good suspense thriller, and it's my number five. 
Very good pick. I actually just watched this movie about a month ago when I was sick with the flu. And oh, um, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. I really enjoyed it. Actually, it holds up extremely well. I don't know why. It, it, I agree with you. It's been sort of forgotten, but it's a very good film. Uh, and he does give a terrific performance, especially considering he's in in bed the whole time. So mm-hmm. nice pick. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, my number five is a movie that I love. It is from 1995, and it is Crimson Tide, where he plays First Officer Hunter opposite Gene Hackman. Uh, and of course, it's a submarine movie. They get, they may or may not get orders to launch nuclear missiles. Gene Hackman is a hardliner. He wants to launch them. And Denzel, of course, is the the voice of reason who says maybe we should wait and see if this is really an emergency or not. Um, I think it's a great film. So I'm going to say my number four and my number five probably both got a little boost <laughs> in, in terms of their places on the list because yeah, I like the film so much. But I do think that uh, Denzel is great in this. He was obviously a known actor by this point and was you know a star. But it's so it's not early in his career, but it's not to the point where like maybe he was the mega star that he is now. Uh, I think Gene yeah. Hackman still got top billing in this one, but I think that you know it's a great film. It's got some really terrific rapid fire dialogue. You know he's got to be kind of intense, but also charismatic. There's some humor in the film thanks to a, a Quentin Tarantino script or at least some punch ups from him. And you know he holds his own. I mean toe to toe with Gene Hackman, which is no small feat because Gene Hackman's an amazing actor. Um, and I just so I love him in this movie. I love the movie itself. And uh, that's my number five, Crimson Tide. An excellent choice. And it is my number four. Oh, very good. Yeah. But I uh, totally agree with everything you said. He's uh, he's playing the passionate, you know, guy who just wants to make sure they're doing the right thing. He doesn't want to, you know, because so much is at stake and just he's just his reasoning and, and what he has to do to go through. But he just he just again, he just sells it. He just. You're there with him the whole time. His frustration, his anger, but still keeping tightly under control just to make sure things don't escalate. It's yeah, it's a it's a great film. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's a brilliant performance by him. Gene Hackman, well, pretty much everyone. It's a great supporting cast as well. Yep, yep, definitely. I mean, it's got it's got Figo Mortensen in and James Gandolfini, but yeah, Denzel Washington though is amazing in it. Absolutely. Well, good. Good choice. We're obviously in agreement on that one. Yes, we are. All right. Well, my number four is probably the movie that most people expected me to put at number one um, because it's one of my all-time favorite movies. So no surprise it's ending up on this list. It is from 2000. It is Remember the Titans. Yeah, I did. I knew that'd be on your list. Yeah. 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 Uh, where Denzel plays Coach Herman Boone. And obviously there's, there's some bias here because I love this movie so, so much. But I do think it is a great performance from Denzel Washington. You know, the film is, of course dealing with racism. And I think it would have been easy to make Denzel Washington, to make Herman Boone this very sympathetic character. You know, it's the, the you know, the put upon black coach who's trying to fit in, in a white society. Uh, and he's yeah, just yeah. like the nice guy who keeps getting heaped on, but he's not, he's kind of a jerk, you know, and he's kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say he's racist also, but he certainly isn't, uh, you know, really worried about what white people think of him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a hard ass. But he has a great relationship with his kids and, and with his wife. And so I think he's a he's a complex character that would have been easy to be very just a caricature, you know, of just a coach who's just trying to get by and do his thing. But instead, he's not afraid to ruffle feathers because he's there to do a job, you know. Yeah. If, if it had been like a, the actor hadn't been quite as good. Yeah, it could have easily been. I know what you mean. Right. Right. It could have almost been cartoonish in a certain way. You know, exactly. Hand, handled differently. Yeah. Yeah. Or I just think the actor could have gotten lost in the part and, yeah. you know, not in a good way. Um, yeah. So that's my number four, because I, I do love the movie, but I think Denzel does give a great performance in it as well. Excellent pick. Okay, my number my number three is uh, from 2014, and it's The Equalizer. Oh, good pick. Which Because uh, when, it, when it came out, I mean, I used to like the TV show. When it came out, I was going, oh, I'm not sure about this, but then I found out Denz, Denzel was going to be in it, and I was going, well, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth watching that. And it certainly was. I thought it was, it was really good the way it was. It could... It reminded me a little bit about like his performance in Man on Fire. Right. 
Right, yes, I can see that. Yeah, maybe because it's an action thriller as well, but uh, I did like the way, I mean, even from the opening sequence when he's talking to people and it's the, you know, the, the, the big action scene where you see him like thinking it through and doing that, but it's just, he plays it at, there's that, he plays it with a stillness and a calmness the whole way through, but you, you know that this, there's this, there's this uh, anger and uh, like a terrifying ability to kill people just below the surface, but he's uh, he's got a handle on it and he's he just wants to help people. Uh, he's seen terrible things, but he just wants to make sure he can do the right thing and help people. And it's uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed his performance in this one. It was uh, like a what's the word a slow burn kind of performance, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but it's yeah, he was he was great in it. Yeah. And and while the sequel wasn't quite as good it was still it's a, it's a good character I, I would like to hopefully see another one but uh, we'll wait and see but the first one is a it's a great film and he uh he's amazing as in the role yeah yeah i agree i like that film a lot didn't make my list but there's only because there's so many good denzel washington performances to choose oh, from yeah, that totally, yeah. anything that got left off wasn't because he wasn't great in it it was just because i only had five spots so uh my number three however uh is from 2001 and it is the role that got denzel his oscar it is Training Day, where he plays bad cop Alonzo Harris. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I think the Academy has a, a history of giving performances for the wrong films or giving awards for the wrong films. Yeah, um, yeah. Not that he's not great in Training Day. It's my number three. But I feel like part of it was like, oh, Denzel's playing a bad guy. We haven't seen that before. He's all he's all cocky and stuff. And, you know, we've we've skipped him over for, you know, seven other performances that were completely worthy. So let's give it to him for this. You know, it's kind of like Martin Scorsese winning for The Departed. Like, really? You know? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, very uh, true, yeah. So it's, again, it's not that I don't think this is a great performance because I do. But do I think it's, you know, I think he's had stronger performances before that. But... Uh, I do really like him in this role. I do for all those reasons I just complained about is the reason I picked it. You know, I, I do like that he's so cocky and playing a bad guy, and it is a character unlike we had seen him really play up to that point. So I, I do think it's a great performance. I just, I just think it's funny that that was the one that got him the Oscar. Where I don't think there's, while it's a great performance, I don't think there's a lot of heavy lifting involved. Is what I guess I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I do like it, and it certainly isn't meant to be a knock on his performance because he's great. But it's a it's a good choice because it's uh, it's my number two. Oh, very good. It's training though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree with what. Yeah, everything you say, it's pe- yeah, spot on. But it's a fact. Yeah, he's playing a bad guy and he's doing it really well, and it looks like he's enjoying it the whole way through. I think he had a blast doing this, to be honest. I agree. I agree. Doing that, but uh, and also because it is him playing it, you do go through it going, well, he's not going to be, he's not going to be bad, bad. Right, right. You you keep waiting for it to sort of go. Well, no, he's he's going to be. Well, is he? What? I yeah. don't know. And it it keeps you guessing all the way through, which I like. I think that was a it was a good piece of casting for that for that reason. But yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean for the Oscar. These lots of other roles, but uh, he got the, he got the Oscar. What can you do? But it's a, it's a great film and it's a, it's a good role. Yeah, that, that was my number two and your number three. Very good. I don't begrudge him winning the Oscar. I just think it's yeah, funny yeah, that yeah. you know he's had several more dramatic performances that you know he didn't get awarded yeah. for, but this one which i think was you know a more fun easy you know i think he enjoyed it so much because it wasn't all the heavy lifting you know what i mean so you could have more fun with it and that's the one that the academy was like that's the one totally yeah yeah all right well very good uh my number two is uh is not from a film that i actually love all that much but it is it's a it's an important film it's from 1992 it is malcolm x 
uh, directed by Spike Lee. And of course, Denzel Washington plays Malcolm X. Yeah. And uh, I think the film is a little a little long, a little drawn out. I don't I don't think it moves as well as it could. It's not one of my favorites from Spike Lee. But I do think that Denzel Washington's performance is really impressive. And I think it's impressive um, not only just because he does do a lot of dramatic heavy lifting and not only because he plays a real person. He doesn't try and do like a, a, a carbon copy of Malcolm X. I think he tries to get more of the, the spirit of the character. Um, who's obviously a real person. Uh, but I do think it's really interesting to watch him go through all the progressions where he starts off as sort of like this, you know, kind of party guy, doesn't take things as seriously. Then he's in jail and he's sort of being put upon, you know, uh, you know, and he's he's witnessing injustices. And then he comes out and becomes this, this reverend and he's much more internal. And so I, I think it's just sort of the transformation of this character, which is believable from start to finish. You never doubt what you're seeing on the screen. You never doubt the character, even though you're aware that it's Denzel and not Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's pretty impressive, especially when you're playing a character and you're spanning, I forget how long it is, 10 or 20 years. Um, I, I think it's a great performance. So like I said, the movie itself isn't my favorite, but I do think that um, Denzel is, is pretty spectacular in it. No, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you as well. It's not, not not one of my favorites, but yeah, the performance and the fact it does cover such, you know, a different range, it's such a, a range of the uh, of Malcolm X's life. It's It's good seeing him do all the different things, but no, an excellent choice. Thank you. Okay, well, my number one. I think I know what it is, but let's see if I'm right or wrong. Oh, I don't know. Uh, no, my number one is from 1987. Oh, I'm wrong then. Yeah, it's uh, it's Cry Freedom. Oh, okay, good choice. Uh, di- directed by Richard Attenborough, and it's set in the 1970s apartheid era, era in South Africa. And it's uh, Kevin Klein and Denzel Washington. De- Denzel Washington's playing the black activist Steve Biko, and it's uh, it's an incredible performance dealing with very very serious issues, and it's just. Well, it's like a they say it's a powerhouse performance. It just it's heartbreaking. It's it's emotional. It's powerful. It's dramatic. It's just yeah. It's just it blew me away when I I, I did see this film. It's always been one which stuck with me. Uh, and its performance It's just uh, it's an incredible, important film, and it's an important role. And it's uh, it's my favorite of his performances. I mean, it can be a hard watch, especially right. when you know it's true. But right. it's uh, it's my number one. Excellent choice. I'll be honest with you. The only reason it didn't make my list is because I've only seen that movie once and it was back in like the early 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. I think I was in high school, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were watching it. Um, And so uh, while I've seen it, I don't remember his performance well enough to put it on my list. But I mean, obviously, I'm clearly it was a great one so good pick mm. what did you think it was going to be uh, i thought it was gonna be fallen maybe just because i know that you and i both love that uh, movie i was thinking I almost it was almost made my list but i was going well uh, well it was a little bit not generic but a little bit too it was just quite, a great performance yeah. but it wasn't yeah. anything special necessarily yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of acting because as we've said denzel's had many many yeah, big performances yeah, yeah. So it well, that's, get hard to... that's the tough part about doing these lists going by performances rather than films because if we were doing yeah, our yeah. top five denzel films fallen would have been on both our lists yeah uh, definitely, but yeah. you know doing it as far as his, his performances go it's a little bit different yeah which is one of the beauties beautiful things about these lists as well so we're getting to talk about yeah. different films no, that's what i like about it go on and what's your number one though all right well my number one again another movie i probably wouldn't have talked about but it's from 2017 actually actually. Okay. It is Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh, I've still not seen that one. I want to see that. Yeah. yeah you know, a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, so I don't know if anyone's going to hear this on, on the list and be like, yay, that's my pick too. Because I, I, the movie underperformed at the box office. But, oh, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting film. He plays kind of a down and out lawyer uh, who kind of gets in over his head on some stuff. It's not a legal thriller. It is definitely a character study. It is a, a drama film. Um, Colin Farrell is in it and he's fantastic. But, but basically... What I liked so much about this, why it earned my number one spot, is that Denzel, he did the thing with the physical transformation, but he just, 
he played such an anti-Denzel character. You know, it's this frumpy, slightly overweight, very disheveled, very beaten down by life character. Yeah. Which is the complete opposite of what you expect from Denzel. You know, Denzel is usually so confident and cocky and likable and charming. And in this movie, he is a train wreck. And, you know, the costumes they give him are all these dumpy clothes. And he, he changes what I love. I really love performances that are physical. Um, I don't just mean yeah. when people like put on weight or, you know, have prosthetic makeup, but like he changes like the way he walks. It's like this shuffle of like a man who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, you know, and the way he carries himself is just in such a defeated way. And, you know, yet it doesn't stop him from having some really dramatic moving moments in the film when things do kind of rise up, you know, but I yeah. just think he really transformed himself for this role. And like I said, not through like just prosthetics or, you know, crazy hairdo, um, but really just by inhabiting this character, this beaten down uh, guy. And I was really impressed. I do like the movie very much. I recommend watching it, you know, um, but I think his performance is amazing. So that is my number one. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I do want to see that. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely worth watching. Brilliant. Oh, an excellent uh yeah, some good films there. Yeah, indeed. I mean, obviously, like we said, Denzel's list is is not an easy one to whittle down. You know, we never talked about Phil. What do you think? How how do you feel about Denzel Washington? Are you a fan? Oh, I love him. He's, he's a brilliant actor. You always know whatever film he's in, even if the film's not that good. I'm looking at you, Virtuosity. He's still going to be good in it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a disappointing one. Yeah, well, I do. Whenever it comes on TV, I can't help but watch it. Yeah. But it's, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's just brilliant. He's a brilliant actor. And he deserves all the awards. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's great, too. I mean, I've always been a, I've been a fan of his since I think since I saw him in Ricochet, which would have been late 80s. Early wow. 90s. Yeah. God, with, I forgot uh, about that. John one. Lithgow. It's a movie I love. Just a good thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. a neat concept. But um, yeah, like you said, even if his movie, the movie and he generally picks good movies. I mean, really, it's going through the list. It was hard to find movies that I could say I actively disliked. There aren't very many of them. He's a smart guy and he picks really well what projects he wants to do. If anything, there was more movies that I just hadn't seen yet. Especially in his early yeah, filmography. Yeah. I was surprised there's quite a few of his films I've not seen as well. Yeah, but there are very few that I was like, oh, that movie's terrible. Because, you know, he he doesn't let them be terrible because he's so good. Um, but like yeah. you said, even in a bad film, he's the best part of it, hands down. Yeah, totally, totally. He's, uh, he's, he's one of those solid actors who you know it's going to be worth going to see just because of him. Right, right, exactly. Well said, Phil. Thank you. Denzel told me to say that when I spoke to him this week. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, well, that's our top five Denzel Washington films, our 100 stars of Hollywood in 100 episodes, and that is going to start to wrap up our episode. But before we go, Phil, why don't you tell people what we have in store for them next week? Yes, so next time we're going to be going after the ending of Roadhouse, Roadhouse, and The Quick and the Dead. So that should be fun. And we'll also be doing our top five favorite performances by Emily Blunt. Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode, that. Spoiler, uh... love her. (laughs) She's awesome. She is, she is. But that's uh, that. That's what's coming up next time. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully all of our listeners are as well. Uh, But uh, in the meantime, that's going to do it for us for now. So as always, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. I have a meme. I haven't posted it yet on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen it. It says, I have a friend. I have a Russian friend who's a sound technician and a Czech one, too. A Czech one, too. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to tell you in a minute. You know what? This is one of those things. I can't remember if I turned the oven off or not. So, Oh, no, don't worry. Yeah, go do it. Man. Let me run downstairs real quick. Hang on.
You know how people always say like, oh, did I did I leave the oven on like on a road trip and stuff? But they always did turn it off. I did yeah. not turn it off this time. Oh my god, it was actually on. So, yes, Jeez. it was on. So. Wow. Okay. So I was right. Although I don't know what that says about me. Not that I'm careful or pay attention to detail. Clearly, in your face oven. <laughs> While Mills did shoot an. an <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a different Denzel. So you know. You're just not letting me, let me get this out, are you? No. Okay. Now I know what's going to happen. Go on, you can do it now. Talk, you're going to interrupt me. <laughs> no, I won't. No, go on. Okay. I know you're going to anyway, so I'm just going to I so want to, but I'm not going to. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that is our top five. Uh, no. <laughs> you did it to yourself. Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. That's all right. I knew you would. Yeah. You can get all your advice from Uncle Mikey, Phil. I'll write that on the back of my hand. But that just sounds so creepy when I said it, though, didn't yeah. it? It really, really did. It had a, a bit, a big pedophile vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But don't put this in the outtakes. Have many anywhere near the outtakes. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I won't. <laughs>